Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast, where we like to explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Full disclosure for our listeners, we are backlogging these episodes for the holiday season. So every time you hear me ask Katie, how are you doing today? I just asked her how she was doing like 30 (laughs) minutes ago, prior to the previous episode you just heard. There's a real peek behind the curtain for the Jedi Council Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for our good, faithful, loyal listeners. A lot could have changed in 30 minutes. I'm glad you asked again. You're not wrong. And it's always good to check in with your pals it and is. make sure that they're still doing good so they have that consistent social support that we all need. That's right. Let's jump into current events and see what else we have that has changed in the current events of our lives in the past 30 Which will minutes. be out of date by the time this episode is uploaded. <laughs> yeah. So this episode, uh, we'll, we're recording it right now on like December 19th, not like specifically on December 19th. And it will probably be up two weeks from now, roughly. Mm-hmm. So, hey, future listeners. <laughs> I don't Happy know. Happy New Year This is kind of like time travel, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this is what happens when you record too many podcast episodes at once. My jokes aren't blur. funny anymore. <laughs> we anyway, used all the good ones we last used episode. All the good ones. Here's the gag reel and B-list jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy Comics, Katie, tell me all about them. There's new ones on the shelf. As I've talked about before on this podcast, the first comics I ever got into were Buffy the Vampire Slayer. After finishing the series through Dark Horse Comics, totally loved it. There's a spinoff of Faith and Angel that was also good. There are a couple solo things, but there's a new Buffy comic series that's come out. It's Buffy the High School Years, and it's really fun because the other series, which I like too, it basically picks up right where the TV show left off. It's even organized in seasons, but this goes back to stories that are consistent with the high school years of the show, which are really fun, and I think they captured it very well. And I've just been enjoying them a lot. So if any of you out there, Buffy fans, are looking for some new Buffy comics to read, you just want more Buffy, you've already watched Buffy, Angel, (laughs) and read everything else, you can now read these Buffy the High School Years. So are these sort of supplementary stories to what's happening real time in the TV show then? Yeah, that's the way it's constructed, which is cool. So they try to make it consistent within the framework of that. So these are... Their basic idea was the TV show captures just, you know, so many events. They can't capture every single thing that happens to Buffy during high school. And so these are some of the other stories that were going on that weren't captured, but they could be other episodes the way that they're That's really cool. It seems like it's really fleshing out that really important time in in Buffy's development and life. Yeah, it's, it's really fun because one of the things I love about Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the development that as she goes from an adolescent to a young woman Mm -hmm. and into college and past that but it's also fun to kind of go back to some of the beginnings before she is the super badass vampire slayer she becomes just as she's kind of adjusting and you know another thing like we talked about in last episode is her connection to her friends that's huge theme in in Buffy's stories and that definitely shows in these comic books so if you're reading these too tweet at me I'd love to chat with you about it and uh Love to hear what you think. Yeah, you don't have to twist our arms too far to talk about comics, so Mm -mm. I'd love to hear what people are reading about. Um, Other current events, uh, 
I, so our previous episode that you just probably listened to last week and enjoyed very much was about none other than Kevin Smith, one of our favorites. And we recently both were lucky enough to have been able to see Yoga Hosers, his most recent film, which is the second in the True North trilogy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first being Tusk, a sort of pseudo-horror kind of film. Is oh, that how you would describe it? it? frightened me and i'm not big into horror films i mean it has the wonderful like uh red state i don't know if you've seen that that's another kevin smith one really suspenseful thriller it has some of that for sure but also a lot of like freakiness kind of factor i thought it would be interesting to write one of our psych evaluation in depth posts actually about the main villain in the story but i would be hesitant to watch again just because it's so creepy okay (laughs) Yeah, creepy movies don't rank that high on my list of things I like to watch, so we'll we'll see. It's mostly how he makes the guy the walrus. Spoiler alert, you probably already knew that. Yes. Most movies, but <laughs> it is called I Tusk, to the and there is a picture they, of him as a walrus. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And I did listen to the episode where they come up with the idea of Smodcast, which is fun to kind of hear the inception. Well, that's what I love because mm. it's like not to make this Kevin Smith episode part, part two, two. Oh <laughs> as this turns go. into Kevin cast but um, Kevin cast. it just <laughs> just starts off as two podcasters having a fun time and come in real life and yes. coming up with this silly thing that clearly they make each other laugh and then Kevin talks about how it's really a dedication to his friend and co-worker that's not really the right word mm-hmm. collaborator yeah. is what I mean to say uh, Scott Mosier and so if it's he even calls it sometimes it's for an audience of one. And I just think that's so cool. Plus, they even managed to feature some podcasting in the movie, and so that's okay. exciting. Well, I'm looking forward to the first of the Jedi Council podcast trilogy <laughs> movie. Yep. Yes. As soon as we come up with that, I, as good of an idea as Tusk, we're, we're on it. It's a tall glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Yoga Hoser is, of course, the, the sequel, sort of sequel to Tusk. Mm-hmm. Not really a direct sequel, maybe, but... Um, I loved it. And I know mm-hmm. we kind of talked about the reviews or the mixed reviews. Well, it was 20% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad. One in five? <laughs> I don't mind those odds. <laughs> you know what? Rotten Tomatoes is the Rotten Tomato. Yeah, If you exactly. want to get me started. Ever since they butchered the reviews for Batman vs. Superman, I have pretty sure there's some corruption happening over they're not there. to be trusted they must be weighing those who are opposed to those films heavier than those who enjoy it or something rod tomatoes we'd love to have you on the air for uh, a battle mm-hmm. of verbal uh repertoire i don't know what i'm saying i don't like you rod <laughs> that's what i'm <laughs> Look, saying we know you say you're just aggregating the data and you don't influence <laughs> it but we find that hard to believe yeah <laughs> Anyways, I like Yoga Hosers a lot. I thought it was great. I mean, it's if you like Kevin Smith, you like it. If you don't like his humor, then you probably won't like the movie. I mean, the big probably thing not. is to go in kind of knowing what to expect. Yes. But I thought it was legitimately funny. Like I didn't. I, did I wasn't like, oh, I like Kevin Smith, so let me try to like this. I was laughing really hard. Oh, yeah. By twenty minutes into it. Oh yeah. Amazing cameos, mm-hmm. uh, great music, fun themes of this mm-hmm. video game aesthetic. It mm-hmm. was really just well put together. Uh, what, my favorite Batman, Kevin Conroy, makes a cameo with someone with a little R sticker on their shirt who he calls Robin. Yes, I love that, that so much. That was great. 
So yeah, I just thought it was a huge hit. I don't. I, I, we could have our own episode probably on Yoga Hosers, but suffice it to say, I thought it was absolutely wonderful. And if you're a fan of Kevin Smith's work and you haven't seen it yet, please watch it. Do yourself a favor. It's available on Netflix now. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, you can turn it off. It doesn't. You're, it's not costing you anything. Just to give it a try. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in other. Uh, I had one last piece of uh, sort of current event news. Um, the DC Rebirth Omnim- Omnibus, yeah, I kind of just got caught up on that word there, uh, is out now, which is really exciting. I'm looking forward to picking that up. So what it is is a collection of that first DC Rebirth issue that they kind of initiated the Rebirth movement, and then the number one issues of all, across all the series all compiled into one. So I'm really looking forward to picking that up and reading through all of them. I've read... Uh, a chunk of them, five or six of the first issues, but I'm excited to read all of them and then I think that's going to really help me decide which of the trade paperbacks I actually end up collecting. The only one I know for certain at this point in time is Green Arrow, so I'm excited to see what else I end up collecting. Uh, I want to just pick one of the Batman series. I I don't want to collect all of them. So I've been collecting the all-star Batman issues, which are fun. So I'll either probably pick Detective Comics or just Batman to collect the trade paperbacks and keep collecting the issues of all-star Batman and then yeah, we'll see. But I want to kind of dig into it a little more and, and really get a feel for uh, what do I like most out of that because I'm sure I like it all, so I have to figure out what I like most. Yeah, I, I think that sounds cool. Uh, shout out to Darren from Paradox, yeah. our favorite comic book store. I recently asked, I always ask him in person what he recommends. He has he has really good taste in comics. I have liked almost everything he's recommended. Well, everything he's recommended. Though almost, to be clear, it's not because he's recommended something I didn't like. It's only if I haven't read something sure. yet. So, in case you thought this was turning into something opposed to Darren. <laughs> A Darren call-out. Case. No, this is not. This is changing. No, Dar- Darren, Darren, I just want to be clear. I love your recommendations. This is Katie's opinion only. <laughs> I've always no. You can't ideas. threaten the clerk customer relationship no, at Paradox because Darren has he's a clerk, right? I don't know if that's the right word. Sure. Do I just have that in mind from Kevin Smith? It's possible, and he's I think a, he'll understand when he hears. He'll get it. So, so anyway, Darren said that his favorite. I asked him recently his favorite comic books, and he listed a number of them. And he goes outside of the mainstream more than I yes, do, he so does. he had some really good recommendations. He likes imaged comics yes. and that kind of stuff. But within DC Rebirth, he said his favorites were Wonder Woman, which I'm definitely going to pick up that trade, big surprise, and Batman, just the oh, Batman that's one. Oh, good to know. Yeah, he said that, that those two stood out to him as his favorites. So. Batman did look pretty great. It seems like it has these really cool sort of Gotham heroes, and mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there that I'm excited mm-hmm. to dig into. Uh, Darren is such an interesting guy. So I've heard a lot about Darren uh, from you and kind of interacted and liked a lot of his posts on Facebook, mm-hmm. but I had never had the chance to introduce myself to him in person. I had bought things from him, but just never introduced myself because that's just sort of the uh, social butterfly that I am. <laughs> so it was funny the first time that I, I finally dawned on him who I was was when I was picking up my uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters that I had special reserved and was there at the opening of the store to pick up. Uh, just in case they didn't have the my reserved copy, I don't. There wasn't a lot of things in there, but I just really <laughs> wanted my copy of the book, mm-hmm. and it was the special cover too. Oh. Uh, so then when he asked, "Well, okay, what is your name?" and I told him my name, and then kind of the eyes sort of lit up. Oh, well, then we finally were able to be introduced. Um, sort maybe hinting at I should be more forward with my introductions in the future, <laughs> but oh well, it's worth it because. Um, like I said, I've just had a lot of good recommendations. My routine used to be to go on New Comic Book Day and pick up 
Well, part of it was because I was collecting the um, Legend of Wonder Woman yes. series, and once that concluded, I think I stopped going in as much. But um, he had recommended the Jessica Jones comic oh, book wow. that I recently read that I really liked, and, and a couple other ones. And I think he knows Liam Sharp a little bit from oh, really? the Rebirth Wonder Woman. We'll have to ask you, Darren, rather than just speculating <laughs> on our podcast. Anyways, long story short, for <laughs> listeners who aren't Darren, uh, we could probably start addressing them too. Go to Paradox and talk to Darren. He's a real treat. And he'll will give you some good recommendations. Yes, he and Rich are fantastic, and Absolutely. I and I don't know the others as well, just because they happen to be yes. there when there. But mm. everyone's great. So, uh, changing gears to the topic of the day, unless you had any other current events. <laughs> no. Okay, we've used up half our. <laughs> uh, Oops. We're, we may have to start going to longer episodes because our current events. This is becoming a current event podcast. Is what's happening, which is fine. Uh, our topic of the day, as listeners already know from the title when they started the podcast, I always feel like it's a big reveal, yeah. but it never is because no. <laughs> they've read the description in the title, but it's a big reveal for me, is uh, none other than uh, a character very near and dear to my heart, and I think yours as well, uh, Mad Max. So I thought I could start by maybe just talking a little bit about what I know about uh, Mad Max, the movies, and then maybe talk a little bit. We could talk about the character and maybe some of the mental health uh, that we have seen in the character mm-hmm. and um, and maybe kind of what does the character really maybe mean to us. I don't know if he's a meaningful character as much to either of us, but let's just get this conversation rolling and okay. just see where it takes us. Yeah. So uh, here's my first – I'm going to put you – uh, on the spot, live in the air. Do you know Max's last name? Rockatansky? Yeah, very good. <laughs> so uh, it's such a. I just wanted you to say it because I didn't know how to oh, say it. Oh, I don't know if that's I the correct right. pronunciation. No. I might have added an extra syllable. No, in there. I, I think that is okay. right. Yep, Max Rockatansky. Uh, so of the Mad Max trilogy. So there are. It's not a trilogy anymore, so there's going to be a second trilogy now. But similar to Star Wars, there's an an original trilogy that was started in the very late 70s that started with just the film Mad Max, followed by uh, Mad Max the Road Warrior, and concluding with uh, Mad Max uh, Thunderdome, um, which I'm putting you on the spot again. Have you had a chance to see any of those ones yet? Nope, haven't seen it. The only one I've seen is Fury Road. Okay. Well, it's my favorite of the four, so... but. Road Warrior was my favorite before that, and it's still very close to Fury Road. I like Road Warrior a lot. So, in Mad Max, the first movie, what we have is Max, who's a police officer. He has a good friend. He's a part of the police force. He has a family, a, small, a young child, and a, a wife. And uh, it's kind of... There's actually still civilization at this point. Um, and there is... Max is kind of like this really sort of hard-edged cop. He's kind of like the best driver on the uh, whole police force. And this is a, a period of time where a lot of things are happening, like, on the highways already. It's kind of starting this sort of movement towards this sort of car-based society that we really see in Fury Road. Um, so Max is the best sort of driver, and uh, he's able to sort of uh, outdrive these gang members and uh, sort of defeat them through driving. And that's kind of what we see in the beginning. But he doesn't really like that side of himself he sees himself becoming more and more darker sort of like these criminals that he's trying to apprehend and uh and it's kind of driving this wedge between him and his family and he doesn't really want that anymore so he goes and says you know i'm walking away from the police force and this is after in the very opening he kind of defeats sort of this higher up of the gang and uh gets him i think he dies in the crash um and max leaves the police force 
they build him this really awesome car and try to entice him to staying. That's supposed to be much faster than anything else that they have. And, uh, you know, he loves the car, but he's insistent, nope, I'm walking away, I can't do this anymore. So uh, there's this beautiful montage. He goes, lives in the country, and uh, has this nice life with his family. And uh, eventually this gang figures out that it was he was responsible for that gang member dying, which was only very indirectly. The person sort of crashed. He was uh, pursuing them. So what happens is, uh, and it's a pretty dark story, is that they come after him, and they actually find his uh, wife and their son, and uh, they actually kill them. And uh, after that, they sort of just leave. So they kind of call it even, and they leave. And uh, at that point, you see, so there's this character of Max who had this darker side, and but he wanted to step away from that, and he wanted to be this sort of family person and, and, have, and sort of embrace this side. But at that, from that point on, it's completely just gone. And he sort of, he puts on all of this sort of black police uh, uniform and he steals that car from the police uh, station and he just goes completely rogue and finds the rest of the gang members. And actually with the very last one, he sort of hunts them all down. And with the very last one, he, uh, it's actually inspired the Saw movies, which I don't know mm. if, if folks have seen, but uh, he sort of handcuffs the last gang member to his car and then rigs it to all blow up if he doesn't get away in time. And so very dark. Uh, the movie t- is overall very dark and, and very violent. Um, but it certainly does depict someone who loses everything. And uh, after that, it's implied that society sort of collapses after the Mad Max movie. And then you move into Road Warrior, which is much more of a wasteland sort of thing. And uh, through Road Warrior and um, Thunderdome, you see society fall and then so- kind of sort of slowly trying to redevelop and Max is sort of trying to uh, just be a loner at the, forever after that. He doesn't really want to be with anyone else. He doesn't try to connect with anyone else. But he continually gets caught up in these plots where other people need his help. And invariably, he actually finds that he needs help from other people as well. Um, so there's sort of this reciprocal relationship that he always ends up finding. And he has a hard time turning away from helping people because deep down he's still this sort of good person who wanted to help and do the right thing when he started as a police officer. And so that's kind of the trilogy, the way it goes. And a very, I, of course, spent a little more time on the first one explaining the development of the character, but the next two movies are great, too. Uh, Thunderdome is my least favorite. It, it's certainly the most eccentric, I think. Uh, Road Warrior, my most favorite. And then you have Fear Your Road, which actually doesn't really fit within that original trilogy very cleanly. And uh, the director pretty much describes it as being sort of like an old western where they're kind of individual stories with the same characters and setting but they don't necessarily have a clean chronological order Um, because his car is actually completely destroyed in the second movie and not in the third one and now it's back in Fury Road which kind of begs sort of continuity questions but that's sort of how he explained it away Um, so that's kind of the plot and the character and what I really love about these movies is or one of many things is that pretty much everything you see is actually built uh, up to even Inferior Road, the flamethrowing guitar, everything they see is... There's some CGI effects in the in the newest one. I think that was meant so it could be a 3D film, but certainly in the original trilogy, they built all of these very interesting cars, and a lot of the effects in Inferior Road were real as well. So very cool movies. I've been a fan for a long time, um, and I think the character's really cool too. But that, that's my introduction to the Mad Max trilogy. Sorry for 10 minutes straight of talking. No, that that's really helpful because having only seen Fury Road and then reading the comic book, yes. which 
kind of gives some more of the backstory, yes. but I didn't know the same level of detail, yeah. so that's very helpful mm-hmm. for understanding, and it actually makes Fury Road make a lot more sense. Yeah. So we have this character, Max, who is kind of this person uh, who has done some bad things, actually, uh, and has a very dark side and really ultimately just wants to be alone but I think continually keeps finding himself in situations where he realizes that's just not a sustainable way to live. And uh, and he can't really turn away from this base instinct that he has to help people. And I think, to, to reference the film that you're most familiar with, Inferior Road, we see that, where he kind of, he tries to leave all of the uh, wives and Furiosa when he gets the, the uh, war rig. And ultimately he kind of goes back and gets them in there, and then you see him... Uh, risking himself to keep them safe when he goes back to sort of uh, slow down the pursuers on his own and uh, then even at the end of the movie when uh, they give him a motorcycle and say yep thank you for everything go ahead and uh, he circles back and catches them and says no that like you're not going to make it and he cares even when he's trying not to he still cares and I think that's reflected in that and then in some of these flashbacks where he's clearly haunted by the people he wasn't able to save so yeah, I I think that's one of the things that I found most powerful about the movie is that not a lot is said through dialogue, a lot is Very said through little. action, yeah. and you see his conflict through his actions mm-hmm. and having some insight into the flashbacks yeah. that he's having. But he and Furiosa working together to um, help people, they communicate so much without saying anything. I mean, yes. I just think that's really, that's a different way of storytelling that I'm used mm-hmm. to. I'm much, you know, we just talked about how, how kind of verbal storytelling mm-hmm. and those types of things. So to me, it's really cool to see someone say that much simply through visual depiction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, another thing, so maybe to tie in a little bit of the mental health, we've been a little short on the mental health in the last few episodes, but I think there's clear mental health with Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, clear, Very clear PTSD, which is something that uh, we've discussed at length, I think, in previous episodes, so not maybe to go into as much detail as previous episodes, but he certainly has ha- experienced a very traumatic event, the loss of life of his loved ones, and has the re-experiencing, and he avoids getting close to people again because he doesn't want to feel that loss again. So there's a lot of these sort of, uh, you know, just kind of, he's not he's not a very pleasant person. No. He doesn't really talk. He cracks a, maybe a couple little jokes now and again in Fury Road, but so he's got a lot of the very hallmark sort of symptoms of, of PTSD. So mm-hmm. it's a very, I think, pretty clear. And uh, I'd say given the sort of the context, which is um, not a, a very rooted in reality maybe in a lot of ways, but given the context, I think it's a fairly accurate um, um, depiction of it. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think it, it does show enough to kind of explain some of his behavior that he like you said he's haunted by these things and um for listeners who want to learn more about ptsd if you haven't listened yet we go into a lot of detail about ptsd and the numerous effective treatments that there are available in our jessica jones episode and we also have a post on our website about jessica jones so i encourage you to check it out it's really painful disorder to be afflicted with but fortunately like i said there are some effective research-based treatments. I think it's really interesting that a lot of the characters that I think we like, or a lot of characters maybe in this sort of genre of fantasy uh, comics and uh, sci-fi, experience some sort of traumatic event. They don't all experience PTSD per se, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of times some sort of traumatic event that sort of pushes them into the story that uh, we end up knowing and loving them for. I think that's kind of an interesting pattern. Yeah, and and often, I mean, it's it's their family members, and that 
that kind of motivates them to do it. And so you're right, that is an interesting theme. I, uh, we talked about Batgirl has PTSD, and that's mm -hmm. something we'll probably explore a little bit more mm -hmm. um, because of what the Joker did to her. But mm -hmm. we could kind of list off, like you said, not necessarily PTSD, but traumatic events yes. and come up with a lot of heroes that have Absolutely. these childhood traumatic events, or actually even traumatic events while they're adults that mm -hmm. change their behavior. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of my overview of Mad Max. I, I kind of dominated the discussion a little bit there, but I love the movies. I love if folks have not read the the comics. There's a very brief comic uh, prequel series that takes place before Fury Road that sort of sets the stage for a lot of the things in Fury Road. Uh, that I really liked. I know, Katie, you had a favorite quote out of there that you wanted to share. Have I got that right? Yeah, and, and also should say the, the comic uh, George Miller oversaw it and it's meant as a prelude to the film, yes. so it is very much within the story yep. and explains some things that, that they if don't I can tell. If I interrupt really oh, quickly, yeah, that's one thing I really like about George Miller is he does not give up a lot of control with uh, the Mad Max movies. Another thing that I really like about George Miller is Happy Feet. Yes. Which is a real... He has a wide range of films that he's made. <laughs> from Happy Feet to Fury Road. But I really like that because it seems, especially with some of the recent DC movies, that some of these large companies that sort of fund these operations kind of bully the filmmakers around mm -hmm. a little bit with certain release dates and certain content. But he really, with Fury Road, from what I understand, did not give up a lot of control. In fact, he wanted the film to be released in black and white, which it is now on Blu-ray. Uh, and that was one thing that he was like, I'll let, I will do it in color, but that's all I'm giving up, which I thought was pretty cool. It is cool. The only I, I'd be interested to see it that way, too. The guitar seems like it's cool to have that in color, yeah. that whole scene. Yes. But, um, but it would be cool to see that. And I watched Happy Feet this week as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've never seen it. It holds up. I recommend it. Okay. It's, it's very good. It's obviously quite different than Fury Road, but it sure. has that George Miller magic, so Great. it's worth checking out. Oh, so th thank you for letting me interrupt you. Just a little George oh, sure. Miller thought there. I'd love to hear the quote, though, and I'm sure our listeners would, too. So Furiosa was super popular from this oh, yeah. film. I mean, there were More than so, Max, I think. Oh, yeah. People were so interested in her. There were so many essays and think pieces written on what it represents that she was helping um, the women in this movie, these wives, um, to escape. She, too, kind of battles a little bit. Is she going to do her own thing and just mm -hmm. protect herself, or is she going to help other people? So in the comic book, you learn that she actually was one of the wives, um, before she was put in this Furiosa kind of position and who she is now. But something that, that I think is so interesting is that one of the ways that these women are controlled, I mean, interesting is an easy, detached way to say it. I mean, it's horribly tragic. But the way that they're controlled is that they're very isolated mm -hmm. from outside information. But I, I'm just going to read this because my recreation, I don't think, will be quite as... My paraphrasing won't be as good. So... They're talking about, this is again from the, the comic book, kind of the Furiosa story. The one they called a Morton Joe kept them imprisoned, his breeders, his five wives in a vault where he gave them filtered air and water. So he's trying to keep them healthy so that he can have kids. If you've seen the movie, you know that. Um, he believed he could control the world, that he could master it, remake it, and repopulate it in his own image. No precaution was too great to ensure healthy male heirs, strong children to carry on his vision and justify his tyranny. But he made one fatal error. To guard against depression and mental ills, he gave the girls an education, books, and music. He gave them a teacher. He gave them Miss Giddy, like myself, a keeper of history, of knowledge. And knowledge has a way of igniting dissent and inciting 
revolution. So the whole gist of, first of all, there are a couple things that I like about that. One thing is that there's a recognition to guard against depression and mental ills that education, books, and music help to do that. Mm -hmm. And I, we clearly feel strongly about that. That's Absolutely. a lot of the themes of these podcasts. So I like that recognition. I think that's right on. And the education part, the fact that a teacher can create this power for them to dissent from control, I think as an, as an educator and someone who very much values education, that's really powerful too. And so the idea that having knowledge, can that that can ignite dissent and incite revolution, and that kind of sparks the change for these women to escape, there is something really, really powerful about that. And certainly that's happening within the story, but there are true parallels of these types of things happening in other places. And I think this is a good analogy for the power of education and art. Well put. Thanks. <laughs> well, I, as always, we're running short on time again. So the, the overall, I think that's our, a, a very brief and uh, it's certainly the character and the universe and Furiosa all deserve a much lengthier discussion, but a, a primer. Surely for there sure. are people who have done that. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so if you're not familiar with the Mad Max universe, or characters, or films, or comics, uh, can't encourage them enough. They're really great. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, Fury Road. It's on sale for like thirteen dollars on Blu-ray. I, I think. That's uh, quite a deal. It's quite a deal. <laughs> I think I've watched it probably, probably close to fifteen times now. Um, so it's so good. Yeah, Definitely worth good. checking out. Um, but uh, if you have nothing else, Katie. I got nothing else to then say. Then maybe I will move on to our classic Pearls of Wisdom with Brandon segment. So the Pearl of Wisdom for today is, is pretty brief, um, but I'll just throw it out there as is. And that's a lesson that I think we could all probably take from both Furiosa and Max is that I know maybe for myself and maybe others can relate to this, sometimes it, it might feel easier maybe just to go about things alone and, and maybe you've been let down by someone and you just don't want to feel that attachment and it just maybe feels a little safer but it just doesn't always seem to work out it, it's our very nature that a lot of times we really need that social support and i think that is evidence again and again through these characters and i think it maps onto real life fairly well so uh, i think the pearl of wisdom is just to uh, just keep people around and keep the good people around um so i don't know anything to add to that or well said. All right. That sounds good. Well, as always, folks, you can find all of our stuff at www.jedi-council.com. We've got links to our blog, podcast, uh, Twitter, Facebook, everything on there. Podcasts are available on a few different locations, the iTunes app and Stitcher app. And uh, that, that might be it for now, actually. But those are great apps if you don't have them for podcasting. Uh, we really appreciate when you tweet about us or tweet at us or leave us reviews. It really helps others who maybe haven't heard of us before be able to uh, hear about what we're working on and maybe give us some more feedback so we can keep fine-tuning this project to really uh, help as many people as possible hear about us and hear what we're working on. Yeah, it just it means so much to us. We, we I noticed uh, I was looking at Podbean, which hosts our episodes, that we've had almost 16,000 hits. Meaning, I think, that people, there have been 16,000 times that our S, S feed has been hit or people have listened to episodes. And I am just overwhelmed with gratitude about that. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate that. Absolutely. We can't put into words how much we really appreciate all the great support, feedback, and uh, and, and fans, for lack of a better mm -hmm. word, who really uh, who seem to enjoy the show and like to talk to us about these things. So. 
As always, folks, thank you so much for listening. We hope you had a wonderful holiday season and uh, a bright start to the new year, and I uh, hope everything's just going the right direction for you. So, uh, classic uh, Porky Pig sign-off for today. That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs>